What's going on, everybody? Welcome back in to another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. We're trying to make some uh, moves here, and we decided to drop an episode before being on another week. It is, for us, we're recording Sunday night, during the Sunday night football game, with Bills and Giants just about to kick off. But, you know, my lovely friend, Joe Ciccoletti, man of his word, a very happy Blaine here, looking at that lovely Washington Redskins RG3, right? RG3 uniform? If you guys haven't found out yet, Washington beat Atlanta today in Atlanta. And Joe's not very thrilled, but he's he's uh, being a man of his word, which I appreciate. Joe, how are we feeling? But I'm going to tell you this. The only people as happy as you right now is the 1972 Miami Dolphins because that streak is still alive because we have no more undefeated teams in the NFL after week six. Pretty early, actually. I thought somebody, some team was going to make it to week eight, week nine. But here we are. Um, yeah, I'm a little upset about today's game. You know what I mean? We'll get into uh, a little more detail when we get into the game and break it down. But, you know, good win for Washington. You know, both teams sitting at, well, I think, what, 3-3 three, three now. So good yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, weird football day. I'm going to say that. Weird football day. <laughs> weird All football. around. Um, like, I, I can't pinpoint how I felt about it. It just a uh, lot of sloppy play. A lot of underdog teams beating up on the 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 other teams that you know mm-hmm. the favorites in that case. Um, a lot of injuries once again. Um, just a very very weird football Sunday to say the least. And it uh, it all started out at nine thirty in the London game. So, well, let's let's start there, right? And that was one of the games we kind of talked about. Baltimore Tennessee, a kind of a weird matchup, right? Baltimore coming off of the abysmal showing that that allowed them to lose to Pittsburgh last week. And then a Tennessee Titans team that you just don't know what you're going to get week in, week out. Jekyll and Hyde performance. Like you said, the injuries kind of came out in that one big time. Ryan Tannehill had to be carted off with, it looked like a very severe ankle injury. Um, So it doesn't look like he will be coming back anytime soon. Um, So healthy recovery out to Ryan, but, very funky game. That game, it was in London, right? And it, it came down to literally the kickers. Like, the kickers were the storyline of this game, which is what, you know, people on that side of the pond like to hear when it comes to football, people kicking the ball around. And that's kind of what that game turned into. Lamar did not play great. He played okay, did enough. Defensive storyline was really that Baltimore kind of controlled a Tennessee team that really had nothing in their passing game whatsoever. Yeah, Derrick Henry was shut down in the first half. I thought it was dead in the water for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Tannehill ends up going down with the injury, and then Henry kind of turned it on a little bit in the second half to at least make it a game in the second half, to say the very least. But, yeah, the thing that worries me the most about the Ravens is there's just uh, a lot of stops in enemy territory where you're giving up field goals. Or you're only getting field goals. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of some something similar to what the uh, the Eagles are running into the issue right now. Is they're not able to score in the red zone. Um, you know, hopefully the Ravens can figure that out. I mean, a win's a win, right? In the end, a win is a win. But gotta figure it out. Come, you know, week ten and on when you start playing these divisional foes once again. Right, and you kind of nailed it on the hat. Justin Tucker had six field goals on the day, and where it comes down to with Baltimore. It's going to come down to what if they want to be a true competitor in the AFC, they got to score touchdowns and like how you nailed it right on the head there with like red zone play was abysmal for them. Their reds, both teams, red zone play was awful. Tennessee, same situation, arguably the best red zone team in football when they get down there and they were getting Ravens shut them down pretty easily there too. Just, Mm -hmm. Low scoring affair, not great football to watch, if I'm being completely honest. Like, no. I was not entertained by that football game whatsoever. Yeah, no, I was tuning in and out here and there. Um, you know, stopping for a quarter, stopping for a series, and then hop out because other stuff I was had going on at the time. But yeah, it was it was a weird game to start, start off the uh, Sunday. But um, let's say the least, I mean, good win by Lamar and the Ravens, and then we turned around at one o'clock, you know what I mean? We turned around at one o'clock and uh, kept moving on. And 
again, another one o'clock slate that was just weird to me. Um, not, I wouldn't say like the games were exciting. They were just like, they were okay to me. You know, I was tuned in all the games. I had five different screens going at once. I'm keeping an eye here, keeping an eye in there. <laughs> um, you know, Panthers come out hot. They're 14 nothing against the Dolphins. All of a sudden, next thing I know, Dolphins is 14 14. Next thing I know, it's 35 14. It's done over in the water <laughs> at that point. Um, you know, I mean, that Dolphins offense is is impeccable right now. It's it, oh, it's incredible. Yeah. It's it, it reminds me of what the Chiefs had three to four years ago when Tyreek Hill was there. Yes. You know, except this team can run the hell out of the ball. Raheem this, Mostert is killing it right now. This team reminds I like I don't I think they're more closer to the greatest show on turf than what they are at than the Kansas City comparison. Just All speed right. everywhere. And yeah. like you said, being able to run the ball, that team had Marshall Folk just absolutely blowing past teams. And I mean, they were just air it was Pass the ball, speed, speed, speed. That's what I see here a little bit, but different type of offensive scheme a little bit, right? With how Mike McDaniel uses his speed everywhere. But that's what it kind of reminds me of. Just like, you guys are going to have to score basically 35 points if you want to be in the game, let alone have a chance to win, right? So This win today doesn't really do much to me. No, they lost. So I, I would be like, whoa, okay, what's going on? But this win to me for the Dolphins doesn't do anything. Again, when they went up against the Bills, they lost to the Bills. That's a tough loss. Next week when they go up against the Philadelphia Eagles, we'll see how they do there against that defensive mm-hmm. front and uh, against an offense like what the Eagles are. Um, but, yeah, this this win doesn't do much for me. Uh, once again, the Texans game, C.J. Stroud still putting together what he can do and still being able to win the game. Granted, Saints team isn't a high-powered offense or a great defense of that nature, but – they came out. They played a solid second half to hold it together. Yeah. Um, and I, I hate to say it, they kind of gave the Saints a lot of opportunities to uh, to kind of get back in this game or tie the game at one point. Um, they all they did win twenty to thirteen. But I I I, I got to give credit to C.J. Stroud. He's playing pretty good ball right now. Did throw his first INT of the year. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that game. But I just thought C.J. Stroud was playing good ball. So I watched. A lot of the fourth quarter of that one, because it was jumping back and forth a lot between um, our game, right? And then it would jump kind of New Orleans-Houston. That was kind of the ones I was watching. Yeah. And, I mean, you can give kudos to the Texas. D'Amico Ryans has this team playing way better than anyone anticipated. Like, three and three right now, I, I honestly – I bet you some of many people thought three was going to be their win total the whole freaking year. So yeah, I think four and a half. Vegas has some. So great job by D'Amico already. But I got to talk about how abysmal the freaking New Orleans Saints are on offense. Like you brought in Derek Carr, you paid him this money to make an impact, and it looks just atrocious. That's that's the nicest word I can actually come up with because. I would say some very fruitier terms <laughs> um, when it comes to how bad they look. Can't run the ball. Derek Carr threw the ball 50 times today. That never bodes well when has he's been in New Orleans and when he was in Vegas. Yep. His ideal throw count is probably around 30 to 35, right? Like yeah. so that he he's more of a guy that looks for balance and they can't run the ball. Kamara got 19 carries, 68 yards. So not a tr- not great, not awful, right? But like, then their kicker, man. But you you're on you're on thin ice. You missed you missed two this week. You missed an a, I think another one the week before. Like New Orleans wins that game if they if their kicker makes their two, his two kicks because yeah. they don't have to go for the touchdown these last those last two possessions. All they have to do is kick and they win the game. And the kid missed a chippy, too. I think one of them was, like, what, 28 yards or something like that? Like, and it wasn't even close from 28 yards. So, and and I don't like to ask for someone's call for someone's job or anything like that. But, like, I'm just going based off of what I saw today. Like, it it was bad. It was bad by for that kicker, for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, we can skip these two games because these were just bad football games. Uh, Jaguars, Colts. I don't even need to talk. The Gardner Minshew revenge game never took place. He was horrible. He was god awful to watch. I, I had that game on because I do have Michael Pittman in fantasy league, so I'm trying to Yo, keep it. Pittman eye. was a bucket today. Yeah, on the last drive because they were desperate at that point. Meanwhile, Gardner's just the. I he had money on the he had money on the Jaguars. <laughs> I, that's the only thing I can think because he threw passes that were ten yards above the head of his wide receivers through pick. What do you have four picks he ended with? It's yeah, like, dude, get the hell out of here. Um, and the other snooze vest was the Vikings and Chicago Bears. You know, it's that. How, and if, all right, no. How in God's name did Minnesota not blow those guys out today? That's what I'm kind of more. I'm was, who, the game was awful, but like, who's Kirk Cousins throwing to? I don't know, but it, it's got to be better than what the Chicago Bears put out there today. They played with a guy I've never actually heard of in that fourth quarter with a chance to win. Well, yeah. Who's yeah, this kid? not great. Tyson, I don't even know how to say it, Bagent, Bajent, Shepherd College. What? Just keep moving. Keep moving along with it at oh, that point. All right. I mean, uh, it's, it's so the they both freaking suck. It's fine. Yeah, it's the NFC North. Nobody really cares enough about that. You just keep moving along. You know, it was a shitty game to begin with, and that's what we are. So, um, honestly, all of those, all of these games today never really screamed great defense. It was more just really bad offense. Yeah, like, I the games were so low, low scoring. I never really got the, to the point where, oh, this team is locking them down. Like, this is elite defense. I never yeah. saw that really today. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of turnovers today. I mean, Tua, Tua even threw like a pick today, which was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is kind of weird, right? I think uh, CJ Stroud threw his first one today. I think Carr threw one as well. Gardner threw four. Trevor Lawrence even threw one or two, I think, today as well. I couldn't even tell you what happened. Earl and Gino threw a handful of picks in, in their game, and that was one of the games we were trying to watch that as a good one, 17-13. It was, that was another weird game. What on like, earth is that? What's that? I'm hearing something in my ear. I don't know. My ears were bugging out for half a second. Oh, okay. Um, now, Seahawks-Bengals game was a weird game because that first half was kind of electric. Um, they were kind of both moving the ball relatively down the field. And then all of a sudden, the Bengals' defense really clamped up in that second half. They were able to get pressure on, on Gino. He was under a lot of d- distress. Uh, DK ended up getting kind of hurt, was in and out of the game a little bit here and there with the hip injury. Um, you know, Gino was trying to find Tyler Lockett. He was trying to run the ball with Kendall Walker. But, I mean, Joe Burrow kind of looks like he's back. Joe Burrow kind of uh, played a little bit. He made some big-time plays when he needed to. I mean, that, stats aren't going to show it. 185 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. It ain't going to show it. But when he had to make the throws, he made the throws. That he did. It was just a weird right. game, though, like a 17-13 game, and uh, it, it just was a weird game. It should have been higher scoring, I thought, in my opinion, but it wasn't. So Yeah. And I think for Cincinnati, this was this was definitely more of a statement game for them, right? How we've been kind of talking since he's going to starting to slowly trend in that direction, right, where they oh. could easily just start to rally off games right they got san francisco in two weeks now as they go on to their bye week yet seattle who came off of their bye really didn't look like they prepped for their bye week in their bye week at all they yeah. looked total miscommunications all over the field gino looked absolutely flustered back there he made a couple of good throws but cincinnati basically told them We'll let you we'll let you go down the field and we'll just lock you down from the 25 yard line in where most of his mistakes really came was down in Cincinnati's own own uh, defensive end. Oh, yeah. So interesting when it comes to that one. Another low scoring affair. Um, you know, what else did we have? Not nothing really else out there other than the upset that took place. The, the Cleveland Browns at one pulled off. A nine and a half point underdog win with PJ Walker. 
winning 19-17 and the San Francisco 49ers their first loss on the season. Brock Purdy came back to reality in this ballgame. Debo Samuel out for most of the second half. Christian McCaffrey out for most of the second half. Two big injuries for San Francisco to kind of follow moving forward. But you got to give – weather was a little nasty, right? Pretty rainy out in Cleveland. But Cleveland Browns showed up and played with an intensity with Deshaun Watson kind of being declared out a couple of days ago. Like it wasn't like he was declared out right before the game. And they rallied behind P.J. Walker. The defense knew that they had to be elite to have any chance in this game. And P.J. Walker just made just enough plays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they came out the game hot. Uh, San Fran. Mm-hmm. Christian McCafferty, once again, I think he's at 15 straight touchdowns yep. um, when he plays. And I think somebody put a thing out there. If they put a $10 bet at the beginning of 15 games till now, they I think they would have made like $2.5 million or $5.2 million, some astronomical number if you keep rolling it over. But yeah, they came out the game, huh? I'm like, all right, here it goes. San Fran's going to win. It's going to be like 30 to 17 or 30 to 10, maybe. Yeah. Um, and they're just going to ste- you know, steamroll. The next thing I know, halftime, San Fran, I think, comes up with a little bit of a lead. Not too much, though. Um, but, yeah, like you said, the injury, I thought, killed him. And, and you said he come back down to earth. But let, let's be honest. If you if I told you you lost your wide receiver one, you're literally RB1. Maybe your offensive weapon number one in this um, team as well. Now you're at the point where it's like, hey, you kind of are struggling. And Trent Williams also went out, I think, with an injury. I think he might have returned. Um, as well. He also left with an injury. So I don't put the blame on Purdy too much in this game at all. Um, I just think Cleveland Browns have made the necessary plays to win the game, and that's just what it is. I mean, let's be honest. The Niners got down there and gave their kicker a chance to win this game. Right. Okay? It's not like he – like, oh, Purdy threw a pick at the end and that's what finished him off. Like, no. Moody had a chance to win that game. And it wasn't an astronomical field goal length. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was 40 yards. Yeah, around there, something like that. Like, that's on him. We, we could be having a different conversation right now. We're like, oh, San Fran didn't look good, but they won the game, you know? But they lost the game, so that's the reason why we're having it. But I don't put the blame like that much on Purdy as, as in that case as all at all. Well, I think, to be fair, Joe, I this team – was pretty up there in comparisons those first five weeks of the year. Rightfully so, right, with how dominant they kind of were. And, I mean, they do have a four-headed monster, and they still had the other two. And George Kittle had one yard. One. Yeah, but you know just as well as I do, George Kittle has games like this. George Kittle does out. He does dud out a lot. There's that's like, the one thing that between him and Kelsey, that's the huge moment. Kelsey like was still look, a mediocre game for Kelsey, still like six catches for 70 yards. Was it last week he had the three touchdowns? Yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah, last week he had three touchdowns. It's like, holy crap, George Kittle again. But I probably, if I looked up a week or two before, the stats there, it's probably not great. I got yeah, only eight, he's really – 18 catches for 216 yards through these games. He's only really averaging three catches a week. But then, yeah, week two, they go up against the Rams. He only got three catches for 30 yards. Yeah, that's right. That's fair. He just just has blow-up games probably three or four times out of the year Mm -hmm. out of the probably 15 games because he's always good to miss a couple games for sure. Right. So what you just said, one catch for one yard, doesn't surprise me at all because that's what George Kittle is. George Kittle is a great tight end, but he's great because he's able to block. He's and he's, he's an excel blocker. Mm. But I don't think like catching wise though he's like a top three tight end though. I think there's a lot of other tight ends better than him that can catch the rock, and that's what shows in his stats. But is that also on the play calling of Kyle Shanahan though as well? I think it's got to be a little bit of both, right? I think they made they had how many passes pretty throw today? Twenty seven. I feel like they kind of when McCaffrey went out, they did abandon that run game a little bit too early. Probably. I think. Probably. I mean, their backup back isn't 
Um, I don't think he's that bad. Jordan Mason, he's really not that bad of an option as a backup RB2. Like, I guess Elijah Mitchell's, is Elijah Mitchell out, I guess? No, I, I, no, he's there. He's just been basically moved to RB3, which is kind of surprising. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, look, good win for the Browns because they needed it. They needed to keep up in that division, and everyone kind of doubted them. Vegas was one of them at nine and a half. I would, I, I would have pounded the Niners minus nine and a half, knowing PJ yeah. was playing. So, you know, I mean, good win for them. It's it was kind of the a weird week in the NFL, week of a lot of uh, underdogs uh, taking out the favorites, um, and especially in our game as well. You know, you want to you want to you want to talk our game a little bit. The floor is yours because, like, I, I we kind of texted about this. I mean, I am ecstatic as a Washington fan to win this little bet because that means I didn't have to run over to, um, <laughs> to fans or lids to go get myself an Atlanta Falcons jersey really fast before this. So, but I'll be honest, we did not win that game. The Atlanta Falcons lost that game today. Oh, 100%. Uh, I, I thought our defense really struggled in the first half, um, but definitely the second half is when they turned it back on. They were able to get pressure on Sam Howe, which I kind of figured was going to happen. That's kind of, uh, you know, the Achilles heel for the uh, commanders right now is their offensive line. Uh, I mean, they give up how many sacks a game? I mean, you know better than me, probably at least three to five sacks a game. Yeah, um, ridiculous. I didn't think they were able to run the ball well today either, so which I was kudos to the Atlanta Falcons on the defensive side. But, I mean, Terry McLaurin got his, especially in that first half. Yep. But, I mean, Ritter lost. I mean, I, I hate to say it, Ritter lost in the game. Ritter missed a lot of passes today, which I thought were fairly easy passes that he should have completed. There was a there was a crossing route to Matt Collins that he probably should have hit, would have got him an easy first down. Uh, there was a couple passes in the end zone I thought he could have hit. Van Jefferson, he had on a deep fly. And that one I'm I, I'm not as upset about, but he literally had Van Jefferson for a touchdown, like 50, 60 yards. And that was the first time I've seen uh, Desmond Ritter actually throw the ball more than 25 yards. So, you know, we get we come, we get in that fourth quarter, and I hate to say, the commanders gave the Falcons a lot of chances to score. And that three and out every time we got the ball. Too many times. I'm like, holy crap, man. Like, what is Atlanta going to figure it out? But I hate to say it, you know, the uh, – the greediness of Arthur Smith and, uh, you know, his play calling. Like, why did he go for two-point conversion when, you know, you were down, was Stupid. it eight? Yeah, eight at the time you're going for it. I get the analytics side, but just kick the extra point. You're going to go in up seven. Like, who cares? Like, six or seven isn't going to kill you right now, right? And um, you had two cracks at it, though, to be fair. You did have two yeah. chances to get it. Yeah, and, and the announcers kept saying it great, right? Like, how many plays are you going to have that you can play at the two-yard line that is, like, your go-to plays? You only have, yeah. like, two, three, maybe four max. You've already wasted two of them. I think they, the next drive, they got similar thing, and that was three right there. But, yeah, I just thought Ritter played pretty bad in that second half, especially that fourth quarter. Um, you know, stats-wise, it isn't going to show up. But, again, one thing that's been kind of killing us the last three to four weeks is we're not able to run the ball right now. Great, I know the commanders got a solid run defense, but and uh, not a great secondary at all. But I mean, Drake London had a really good game. I thought the Kyle Picks finally found the end zone. That was a anomaly to say the least. Um, Matt Collins was able to find it, but yeah, it was on Ritter today. That's all I can say. And I was I'm kind of over it now as a Falcons fan. Like I tried to give him a little bit of credit, especially this game. Like I hate to say it, like. Where you and Sam Howell are is kind of where you should be, but you you've played more games than Sam Howell now. You should be playing better than Sam Howell, but mm -hmm. he's not. He's not. Um, and truthfully enough, I mean, it was definitely a good standing point for the Falcons to be like, all right, this is a team that's kind of where you maybe are, a little bit. Yeah. You, but you should be slightly better. I personally think. And you're at home, and you lost that game the way you did. And, yeah, I blame Arthur and I blame Ritter. Will QB change happen next week? Absolutely not. It's not going to happen still. Um, but, you know, it is what it is as a Life of Falcons fan. So. Would you try and explore the, the, the market or maybe make a phone call out for Kirk Cousins? 
I mean, Kirk Cousins doesn't do anything. Kirk Cousins is not going to change this team. It it may all right. Let me rephrase it. It's going to change this team short term, but it's not going to change this team long term. The right. issue is long term is we still have the question mark at quarterback. Kirk Cousins comes is a one year I'm, is a this year fix. That's it. But either way, if you're trading for Kirk Cousins, you're also planning to sign him after. Plain and simple. That's the only reason you also would be trading for him. Mm-hmm. Unless an injury happens to some team significantly, and then you make a move, right? Uh, but the, for the Falcons, say, if you're trading for Kirk Cousins, you're planning to sign him long-term, why would I want to sign a 35-year-old quarterback for the next two to three years? I would I'd rather either find a younger quarterback or draft a younger quarterback to grow with this team as they progress into the future. I it's We don't need a bridge right now. That's what they tried to do last year with Mariota. And just, yeah, it's not worth it in my opinion. I, I think that's fair. Um, from a Washington perspective, I think this was a great rallying moment for this team. I think today's game was a stepping off point, especially after how bad we played a week and a half ago against Chicago. Got absolutely blown out where Chicago is arguably the worst team in football. New England is making a case to be a part of that conversation now, same as the New York Giants. But in a situation where you got blitzed by a very bad football team to come up and come up with a performance and make Ritter made some bad reads, but Jamin Davis jumping that last route on Robinson. I mean, Ritter pretty much knew he was going that way the whole time, but to make the play still to come up with a victory. That's kind of a good stepping off point with New York next week. So as a Washington fan, I'm kind of pleased that puts us with an opportunity to be over 500 going into the Philly game. So you never know at that point. Right. So kind of keeping ourselves competitive. I think that was kind of the notion that I got from this team this year. It was going to be whether or not we could close out games. Right. And it's kind of been a hit or miss that we've been extremely competitive all year long outside of the bills Bills Bears game. So four out of the six games, it's a one possession football game, and we're three and one in those. Yeah, you, you gotta say that Ron Rivera and Eric Bianami's got those guys cherishing the moment in crunch time right now. So which is nice to see. I would think you're probably in the same boat as the Falcons, and your goal this year is to find out if the quarterback that you have is on the roster right now for the future. Correct. 110%. I think that's that's the kicker, right? And if it's not, then it's like, all right, well, we got to make a move in the draft next year or, or figure out something for the future. Um, if I had to grade through six games, he's not our answer. If I was grading through six games, like he right, has, I, he he remind he reminds me of what Alex Smith was when Eric Bieniemy was in Kansas City. So, like, you know, he's gonna get be good enough to keep you competitive. But you know he's not going to be the reason you win, right? So, I don't know. He there was that Eagles game was rather impressive. What he did at the end to come back and like get that team to overtime. I also okay. blame Philly's stupidity on that to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, but like also like so I let think them make the plays. I, it's fair. I think Howe is in a way worse situation than Ritter is with the Falcons. That's what I think. How so? You guys have no offensive line at all. No, I know. Yeah, that's right. But at least the Falcons have an offensive line that can protect Ritter to an extent. Actually, I, I kind of think the Falcons' offensive lines, that when they play and they're actually supposed to play, they're a top seven unit in the league. Okay. You you also, I mean, granted, you got to give the enemy credit because he is getting something out of the running game. But, like, I would say the Falcons also are getting, I mean, Got Bijan Robinson. I mean, that's just enough said there. Um, but they're, 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 whole, they're pitch counting Robinson right now. Oh, yeah. You're trying to keep him all year. I mean, demand's still playing 67, probably playing 65, 75% of the snaps still. You just don't yeah. realize it. Like, he's not always in the backfield. That's the issue. That's, yeah, because he goes out to play wide out a little bit. Yep. So I, I think you've got to take what you can with how because, like, you also got to realize the situation he's in right now, what he's got at right. this point. Um, you know, when, like, again, against the Eagles, are very impressive to come back and at least lead this team to o- overtime. 
Now, granted, when he goes up against the Cowboys, he's going to get absolutely destroyed. I, I hate to tell you that. No, this is for – I'm looking at our schedule. These next five games are kind of our make it or break it. You got – we're in New York next week. We host Philly. We're at New England. We're at Seattle. We host New York. If there's a stretch where you have to – we got – you have to go three and two. Have to. I think you can – no, no, no. I, th- I mean, I think it's doable. I think, I think three and two is doable. If, yeah. I think I think this makes it or break it. If we're going to be competitive this year with meaningful games down the stretch, I think we personally, I think we have to go four and one in our next five. To I don't be, think get to that. I don't think we will either. But we go through a th- Cowboys, Dolphins, Rams, Jets, Niners, Cowboys. Right, we yeah, got to like, gauntlet to end the year, so you got to go four and one if you want a meaningful football the rest of the way. Yeah, but but what's competitive for you right now? Like I just said, competitive is to find out your quarterback of the future. If right, your team you know, finishes, personal vendetta of wanting to have more meaningful football games outweighs that. Yeah, but you knew coming into it, the Washington Commanders were probably going to be the last place in this in this NFC's division. Not this year, we ain't. Oh. Yeah, I mean that's a different story for the Giants, but um, but yeah, no, that was the real estate expectation, one hundred percent. Yep. So with that being said, like as long as you find out a Sam Hauser quarterback and you go up against like relatively um, equal partners and get an idea of what he can do for you, it's great. When you go up against the Eagles, it's just like well, you're hoping for the best, right? Hopefully he doesn't get destroyed. When you go up against Dallas because they're defensive front, you got no shot to protect. Like right. I hope he, I hope he doesn't get hurt. San Fran, it's like, well, I hope he doesn't get hurt. Um, but you know, like against Seattle, again, you're going to be tested going to Seattle. But you got a shot at least. You know, it's not like yeah. you're dead in the water. Um, Giants, you should, you should try to, you know, at least split, maybe get two out of them. Patriots, hopefully, is it in New England or are you at home? It's in New England, so the fans will tough show one. up. But... Tough one, you know, going to the Rams, like. Tough one. You know, it's just like as long as you see something, all right. If 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 you don't win, if you don't win or lose, it doesn't matter. What you want to see is okay, how is Sam Howe doing? Because if you're like, all right, hey, we're gonna go in on Sam Howe. Next year comes around, you got your first round pick. Yeah. You better be taking offensive tackle. That's all I'm saying. Oh, without question, our pick should be O line unless we have one of those top three picks. Yeah. So yeah, but Tough game for the Falcons is why I'm here. We're wearing a Washington Redskins, Redskins actually. You're but, uh, the Redskins. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the let's true, keep moving on. The true Washington team name. There you go. Let's move it on. Four o'clock games. Uh, Patriots Raiders game was a dud. Jimmy Sucked. G got Jimmy G got hurt. I don't again. know. Again. Apparently, apparently went to the hospital. I heard. So, I think they said uh, it might be a nerve thing. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping he's all right. Uh, Two questions. Is it time to pull Mac Jones? Yes. Second question. Is Bill Belichick, is this his last season? I, I, yeah. Yeah? If, if, I think it depends, right? If they get the number one overall pick, then no. Because I think he'll take Caleb Williams. See, I think he leaves if they get the number one overall pick. Because he doesn't want to do a full rebuild. Correct. I don't think he, I don't think I don't think his ego would allow him to go out like that, though. Yeah. My other thing is this, because we, we've heard rumors now that Caleb Williams like will kind of not come out if he goes to a bad organization. Do you consider the Patriots a bad organization? That's a tough question, right? Because I think, I think the GM, Bill Belichick, is hurting the head coach, Bill Belichick. I think how he created this roster has extremely handcuffed how he can coach this team. I agree. I agree. If the team and the team has no identity. Like for Mac Jones, he's got to be perfectly protected. Offensive line sucks. No run game because offensive line sucks. Mm-hmm. You have three wide receivers that are possession wide receivers that do not know how to create space. I mean, out Devontae Parker, great 50-50 ball guy. 
That's what he was known for in Miami, right? Go th- just throw it up to him and have him go get it. He mm-hmm. can't even get downfield enough for that to even be a possibility because it, Mac's under duress. I don't say Mac Max is a part of the problem, but he's not the entire problem. There are issues everywhere. Oh, yeah. Well, like you said, offensive line's terrible. At least last year when they had um, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, like at least it was like, well, they're able to run the hell out of the ball. And that's that's how they were able to win games is by beating you on the ground. But on the flip side this year, like they can't run the ball at all. They've now lost two of their star defensive players and Judon and, and Christian Gonzalez now. So like their yeah. defense is dead in the water right now. Um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting pretty damn close to being a top three, top five pick in next year's NFL draft. Um, you know, with that being said though, is it like, well, is it time to take a quarterback or is it time to like take, take another position at that, that height? If I were New England, I they've got so many issues, right? Like, how much does the quarterback really prep this team going into next year if they take yeah. a quarterback? Like, if like, you get number one, if you get number one and Caleb Williams does come out, like, great. You like, take I, him, right? That's if, really stupid. But if it's two... You trade like, back. I would trade back if if you know you're not getting Williams. No offense to Drake May. That's nothing against him. But New England has so many other problems that, like, yeah. Caleb Williams' mobility kind of would mask some of those right it's not like drake may is not mobile but he's not to the mobility of a caleb williams and the creativity of a caleb williams correct correct so you know but i but i do want to go back like i as a franchise i think the patriots are good but like was it just covered up and masked up because you had the greatest quarterback of all time you See, know time, i think right? those cool i think those questions continue to escalate now after how Outside of that first year with Mac, where they exceeded expectations immensely, these last two years have really kind of thrown them back into reality of how far behind the eight ball this team really was. Because it's not like they weren't behind the eight ball really when Tom was there those last couple of years, right? They were they were not competitive in those playoff games when he got they got there. You could see the difference in competition, and that's a was the Tennessee Titans team, especially that last year, right? That absolutely bullied them on both sides of the ball. I actually think like I, I, a lot of Bill Belichick's uh, coaching tree, as you notice, is starting to uh, fall behind the times. I've kind of noticed now mm-hmm. with Mike Rabel um, and and Josh McDaniels as well. Like you, you're kind of see these teams fall behind. Now, granted, their uh, personnel probably isn't the best. But you kind of see now a little bit that um, other coaching trees um, are cutting, are starting to blossom a little bit more. Um, you know, the Kyle Shanahan's tree is pretty uh, pretty extensive right now and kind of right. doing very, fairly well. I mean, Sean McVay already has a Super Bowl, and actually this team actually kind of looks pretty good yeah. um, with the Rams. Uh, Miami looks great with Mike McDaniel. So, like, that's just two. And I'm probably missing another one as well. Oh, Matt LaFleur um, as well. Mm-hmm. And keeping Green Bay still kind of afloat uh, for what he's got. But, yeah, I, I just think I think Bill Belichick's trees uh, maybe a little bit too far behind the times and something needs to get figured out, um, to say the least. Oh, 100% agree. I think it's – I think you might see – I think – Bill kind of teased it a little bit today with Malik Cunningham in the game. A couple plays. He didn't throw the ball or he didn't run the ball either time. But I think you're going to see him before you'll see Zappy or Will Greer behind center being the backup quarterback moving forward. If he if, okay. if, if Matt gets benched, I think it's Cunningham moving forward because he just gives them a different look. And with that offensive line being so bad, the man's got wheels. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you'll see that. All right, let's jump to, I mean, the Rams-Cardinals game, pretty much a dud. Rams kind of very dominant in that second half. Kind of were stuck in first gear for that first half. Arizona played pretty good defense. 
Arizona couldn't capitalize on the opportunities, only settling for Matt Prater field goals. And Stafford and Cup finally got on the same page a little bit in that second half and really ran away with that one. No real questions there. Um, the real fascinating matchup of the day that I was kind of watching was Detroit-Tampa Bay, two one-loss teams. This was kind of more of a make-it-break-it game for kind of both squads, teams that were kind of teetering, where we've kind of had extremely high praise for Detroit and for Tampa Bay was kind of for them to make a statement to say that they were a true threat in the NFC a little bit by going head to toe with Detroit at home. And that really never went into fruition. Joe's got the pup in the little <laughs> ground there. Um, but Mayfield showed me exactly what Baker Mayfield is struggled in the, in that moment. Detroit is still world's, better than Tampa Bay is right now. And I think that was kind of the biggest takeaway is that Tampa Bay may be a team that's going to win the NFC South, probably based off of these first couple weeks of the front runner, but that doesn't mean that they're a true threat in the NFC. I I completely agree. I think the Lions still have shown that they're still a, uh, they're a very, very good football team right now, especially in the NFC. Um, you know, it's Tampa Bay has now lost. Their two losses are to probably top three, top four team in the NFC, and yep. they wasn't even it wasn't even a contest for them. I kind of both in both games they haven't been competitive. No, not especially their offense has not been competitive. Their defense is like it's okay. It's not like what it was two to three years ago, four years ago. Um, like I thought they did okay against the Lions, especially in that first half. I think they held them to six points. I think in the first half. Um, 10, and they 10 points. 10 points was it okay? Yeah. That 10 points, I thought they 10 uh, points each half, they were which is pretty good. Yeah, I thought they were able to hold the porter to uh, very minimal. I mean, Amon's gonna get his, and he did, especially in that second half. It's uh, crazy amount, but it's their offense, truthfully enough. They're not able to run the ball at all. Like, I, I, I was watching, and it's like mm-hmm. Rashard White is like, I is their workhorse back, like, that is what he is. Um, but like he can't get out of the backfield because his offensive line is just getting absolutely derailed um by the defensive line. And is that kudos to the Lions and the Eagles, like defensive line being that great? Right. I mean, the Eagles, yeah. The Lions, I mean, I don't yeah. think they're that good. Um, but on the same sense, like Baker was getting fresh. carries, sixteen. The mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Bucks had total sixteen. Yep. Too many three and outs. Uh, Baker missed a lot of deep balls that he, you know, he had two guys deep. I think the rookie wire steer that they have, I forget his name, missed him twice. Um, I thought Chris Godwin played pretty, pretty good. Evans was eh, okay. Um, yeah. Just wasn't there for Baker, though. It, it wasn't Baker's day. Um, he plays tough. I mean, that is what it is. But I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. Like, he's going to play well in games that he should be playing well, but in games that like you're going up against a bigger matchup and you really need to show up, he's just not doing it. And that's just what it was this season. Um, you know, like this NFC South is going to be competitive um, between the, the three teams, the Falcons, the, the Saints and the Bucks. Who's going to come out victorious? I mean, it's going to be kind of just based, it seems like on like, well, who's going to win a divisional game like come December? Like that's just yeah. what it's going to be. 100%. Um, but come playoff time, like, I mean, whoever the fifth seed's going to be, like, uh, Dallas, maybe, I guess, would be right, right now. Or Seattle. Uh, like, yeah, like da- Dallas or Seattle, yeah. I mean, I'm going to take Dallas and Seattle over if the Bucks host any day right now. So, oh, 100% agree. I think, um, I think. We kind of said it already, but Tampa Bay has had their two opportunities to show that they're at least going to be competitive, and that really hasn't come into fruition. And both games were at home, so there's nothing to say that, like, oh, we were on the road. It was in your building, and you you guys didn't show up. And y'all brought up the creamsicle jerseys. Like, you bring those out, it's serious, and you laid an egg. You looked like that expansion team that first year today a little bit. Yep, yep. I love I mean, also Baker. Love them. Oh, so prob- probably probably need to throw back. 
probably 100%. the best throwback um, uniform in the NFL that they comes out. But, I mean, you look at stats. Baker went 9 of 37. What's that, like barely over 50%? I mean, it's terrible. I mean, yeah, that well, should be it. you got to be over 65% in uh, the NFL. Yeah, 19 of 37. You know, Chris Godwin, 6 for 77. That's pretty Chris Godwin-esque. But yeah. Evans, 4 for 49. Oh, Trey Palmer, that was the name I was missing. He was one. He missed some two. Two deep balls he missed on him. If he connected them, they probably actually would have scored. There might have been 21-20 at that point. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but, again, like you're not able to run the ball. I mean, like you said, it was 13 carries between their two running backs. 13 carries. That ain't football. Right. You got to run the ball. You got to balance it out to, to an extent. 13 compared to 37. Got to find a happier median there. I hate to tell you that. So, um, yeah, I'll the Bucks. Detroit the got Jameson back this yeah. week. They looked like they had another gear now with that man out on the outside. Now, now I will say, second half, though, when David Montgomery did go down, the team was a little more weird. The deep, like uh, Detroit oh, Lions, he, like they were no, like, he, he, Jared Goff started throwing the ball over the yard. Yeah, he was like, I got to throw the hell out of this ball. They did, not, they did not trust. Well, they also didn't. I don't think the Gibbs play. I don't think Gibbs no, played Gibbs today. Down. He's got yeah. a hamstring issue still. Right. So, so at that both. point, you had Craig Reynolds as your running back. I don't even know who that is. So, Oh, Craig Reynolds. He's a great. And last year, two years ago, he had he had a great run at the end of the year. How about a lot of fantasy football teams? Um, but, yeah. Craig Reynolds, I mean, saw is it okay back, but like, I mean, 10 carries, 15 yards, I mean, he ain't going to do much for you. Um, You're only saying that because he's a Kutztown guy. Yeah, big Kutztown guy. <laughs> um, yeah, it still shows to me that this game, the Lions still proves a lot that, hey, they're still right there uh, in the top three conversation and once again for being a top three team in the NFC. That's it. Plain and simple. Right. All right. But now they're tied. With two other teams, with record-wise, in the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles, everybody. Philadelphia Eagles. All I got to say is the New York Jets are probably starting to – They saw Aaron Rodgers came out in the field, threw the crutches off a little bit, slinging it. They're like, yo, we got to – he coming, he coming. All of yeah, the hype – and Zach Wilson didn't wasn't the reason they won the game, but he wasn't the reason they lost the game either. Pulled one out. Defense was elite. Shut down Philadelphia and shut them out in the second half for a 20 to 14 upset victory in MetLife. Joe, takeaways there. My biggest thing is that the New York Jets defense was phenomenal today. Agreed. That's that was the that was the way to win the game. I mean, not one, not two, but three interceptions. Jalen Hurts ended up throwing. Um, it kind of showed the Jets kind of took the game plan of what the Patriots did week one. Mm-hmm. Right? They they tried to limit Jalen Hurts and, and force Jalen Hurts to make bad decisions. And that's what Jalen Hurts did, unfortunately. Um, they weren't the Eagles weren't able to get the run game going at all. DeAndre Swift held under, I think, 20 yards on the ground to say the least. Um, granted, Lane Johnson did get hurt, unfortunately, so that's always a, a kicker for them once he goes out. Right. But you know, bad, bad, bad mistakes. Probably Jalen Hurts, one of his worst games in his NFL career, maybe the worst game in his the NFL worst. career. Um, and you know, it, it, unfortunately, the Jets. Did just enough, especially in the offense, to uh, to get a chance for them to win, and they did win. But their defense played outstanding ball today. Um, three ints, three turnovers, um, to say the least. A lot of batted down balls for Jalen, and they, they were actually able, I thought, to kind of contain Jalen and not get them big 10, 12, 15 yard runs that he actually does. Um, I was kind of watching that, but he was Jalen, especially when he was, he was kept rolling out to his right, and he kept rolling long high out to the right outside of his offensive line. By the time he would start running it by the line of scrimmage, there was guys already there. Right. So that was that was a big thing with the Jets. I mean, Robert Sala is always going to have this defense ready to play. There's no questions about it. It's just how – what mistakes is this offense going to do that's going to fuck up this game? <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's exactly what it was. 
And today, at least Zach Wilson was at least uh, just okay and mediocre, and that just was good enough for the Jets here. So, no, I think I think this was more. This was definitely a bad Philadelphia today, where Jalen oh, yeah. was off, couldn't couldn't was not making the correct read. He was he was starting to try and run a lot today. I think he was usually with him. He'll stay in there and take a couple of reads. I saw a couple of times. It was one read. I didn't see it. And he was like, go like he would. I, he, I, he did not trust that offensive line as soon as Johnson went out of the game whatsoever. Yeah. Now, the big thing to me, though, is that they struggled up against the Patriots a little bit. And Patriots had a pretty solid defense at the time. They struggled against the Jets offensively wise. Um and the D and the Jets got a pretty solid defense as well. Is they haven't a, had a complete game yet, Philadelphia. It's either yeah, been one or the other. But is that a tale telling on in the future that when they go up against elite defenses, they're not able to withstand the offense isn't going to be able to withstand um their the defense. You know, for instance, if they go up against Dallas. Yeah. You know, how are they going to do? If they go up against San Fran, how right. are they going to do? You know, that's my question. You know, they go up against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's average, right. maybe. Um, they were able to kind of dominate that game a little bit and win sure. pretty single-handedly, especially because they were able to run the ball big time. Without question. Um, Washington. I mean, Washington was able to kind of slow down their run game to an extent. Jaylen gave up a lot of points. Out, yeah. yeah, but they were able but that's that was the thing. They took away the secondary. So when right. you both – when the defense has got both, like they're able to semi stop the run, but also play hell, like play good defense in the secondary. And the Eagles might be dead in the water a little bit. They aren't looking good offensively like they were last year, unfortunately. Right. They have not gotten the hitting that extra gear that we saw them last year where they were humming for a little while. I think, I think a great way to kind of get out of that is play Miami next week, who where that game might be the first one to 40 wins. So <laughs> now, now is that more on um it's not you can't even blame the offensive line because all the offensive line was there and they're healthy and it is what it is. Um do you blame that on the offensive coordinator switch from Steichen now to I think it's Johnson now, I believe is their offensive. I think coordinator. there's a little bit to it because he has made a, a couple of tinkers that He's made himself that to kind of make it his own offense, not kind of absolutely replicating what Steichen put out there, right? So I think that does have to do a little bit. And, you know, when you have a different play caller, it comes in a little differently, right? So you're trying to still figure out those kinks a little bit. But I don't think it should really have pressed because I think you also – DeAndre Swift is a very hit or miss back. That's what his calling card was in Detroit. So you don't know there has there's not really been that consistency where it was with Sanders right in the backfield yet. Like Swiss had two monster games and he's had two two duds, two whiffs of whether or not he actually was on the field. Like today, you couldn't have you couldn't have told me you could have told me he wasn't there and I would have said okay. <laughs> so there's a little bit of that right, but then on the flip side for the Jets right. They've, I think they've found their recipe, right? They kind of rally on these home games because Rodgers now is traveling back and forth, coming out to support the team. It kind of gives them an extra jolt of energy and you can, that you can see that they feed off of him being there a little bit from a leadership perspective. And then I think Aaron, they've kind of just told Zach, like, when you a couple of I'm gonna need you to make a couple throws a game where you're gonna have to make a an elite throw. Just mm -hmm. give me one or two elite throws and we'll figure it out the rest of the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. No, I agree with you. Um, yeah, we got two more games still to go. Buffalo Giants and then um Chargers uh Dallas, which we talked about a little bit last week. We a couple games we're definitely gonna tune into, especially that Monday night game, the revenge. Of Kellen Moore, as you said. Yeah, Kellen Moore wrench game, baby. So uh, look ahead to week seven. We actually got some pretty big matchups. I would say probably three big matchups. Uh, Lions-Ravens, 1 o'clock in Baltimore. Definitely going to be a good matchup there. Cause, you know, see it going either way, truthfully. At yeah, least. Coin, coin um, flip for sure. 
Oh, yeah. Um, second game you're going to have always a good one, Chargers-Chiefs. It is a 425 game. Hopefully another shootout because I love them games when they're shootouts. Um, so that'll be another good one there. And then we keep bringing it up here. Sunday night in Philadelphia, Miami Dolphins are visiting the Philadelphia Eagles. The link's going to be rocking as it always is. And it's going to be hopefully a little bit of a shootout on Sunday night. So we got a couple good games next week, and I'm excited to uh, finally watch a couple of them good ones. So Yeah, no, we should have some fascinating football games. And even like that falcons bucks game, like it might be a little ugly to watch, but that'll be extremely competitive also there, division game there. Um, so even that Thursday night game, you I think it's all going to depend on what type of New Orleans you're going to get, right? Yeah. Are you going to get the elite New Orleans defense? Then that means that game will be very competitive also for Thursday night. So some very fascinating matchups for sure, which yep. will be kind of intriguing there. But, uh, you know, before we wrap up, I do have a – you want – you're fighting Phils. Looked pretty good this past week, huh? Dude, we're back. <laughs> We're so back. It's fighting feels. I was. I wanted to get did into you, you it get, as well. You get, you get, did you look out for tickets or no? No, nah, you can't even touch them. They're too much. You, you got. You got a better chance of going flying out to Phoenix and going to M games than trying oh, to no, get one going here. Going back to the D backs game. Oh yeah, it's easily probably. I think. I can tell you five, right now. I got it pulled up. Is it five seven hundred dollars to get in? No, I got. I got. I got some 228 action. It's it's up there. You're up there at the top, but 228. Actually, it ain't terrible actually to get in, but usually they're way more expensive. Um, game one of the ALCS is happening right now. Texas, Houston. Texas is up one one nil. Yeah, a little Texas rivalry. Huh? It's gonna be a good one there. Um, uh, yeah, I'm kind of Scherzer. Scherzer's available. You're gonna see some Max Scherzer in the ALCS for sure. Huh? I'm hoping I'm hoping Texas wins. I don't want to see Houston again. I'm kind of tired of them. Uh, uh, Houston's the clear favorite. That's because I know Texas but, has no starting pitching right now. But I know. But I'm rooting for Texas. I'm hoping that they come out. But so, yeah, uh, we're all in. we're what, all in. With what, the are, what are we? What are the what are the Phils winning in? We going winning in five? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Winning five. five. Winning five. Uh, we timed it <laughs> out perfectly. We beat the Braves. They suck. We all hate the Braves here. It's unbelievable. <laughs> all right, talk to talk to me through how much trash talk was happening after Arcia made his dumb comments. Oh my god! I mean, dude, <laughs> I'm gonna say this to you as well, and it's been said callously here in Philadelphia. I just don't know how well it's gone out to the uh, the American public. Um, it really hasn't Bryce, been to the West Coast. <laughs> Bryce Harper is probably the most perfect athlete for Philadelphia sports, and it's what we have want. Every Philadelphia athlete to be. Okay? okay. Lay it on me. He gets paid the contracts and we're like, all right, you know, how are you going to withstand this? Not withstand this contract, but how are you going to fulfill this contract? Right. First things first, you got to accept the Philadelphia atmosphere, right? Like sure. you got to be able to go to the sporting events. You got to be able to wear, you know, all the sporting event gears, you know, when he's coming in with the uh, Trey Turner shirt, when he's coming in with the Coach Prime shirt, like literally that just makes Philadelphia. We absolutely feed on that energy, okay? Secondly, he embraces Philadelphia to a T. He loves everything about it. When he signed his 13-year contract, there was no opt-out. He said, I'm going to die here in Philadelphia, and that's what we want. We want people literally, we will go to war for you. As long as you die here, that's all we care about. <laughs> and you work a little bit. If you show some sort of work, that's all we live for, okay? But secondly, on the field, he's a complete douchebag, and we absolutely love it. A complete douchebag. He is. Right? And he just takes everything, like, so mentally, and you're like, what the? Yes, that's how we are in Philadelphia. But third, the clutch team is incredible. And that's what makes it. That's yeah. what makes Bryce Harper perfect for Philadelphia because he embraces all three of them. But the fourth one, he is able to clutch up and be like what we want him to be in the playoffs. Sure. To a T. Like that home run that he hit was a game three or game four. Game three hit two. Bro. Oh my God. You're kidding me, right? The like, stare down both times. I loved it. 
Like, you're like, yo, what the? And then now Nick Castellanos is kind of getting a little cocky, too, but I like oh, it. Oh, yeah, playing. he's got a wow. little swagger going right now. I don't know if you saw the interview um, when they won it after game four. So, I don't know if it was Buster. Buster only might have came up to him, asked, like, kind of didn't even ask him a question. He made a comment, said, like, hey, like, you know, you're the only Philly, like, they had two home runs in a game and two sure. back-to-back games. And he goes, where's the question in that? He goes, no question. He goes, all right, Dad. I'm like, yeah. Cassianos. <laughs> yeah, who cares about He's me? like, I'm here to try to celebrate with my teammates, and you're just making a statement about me. Awesome. Incredible. But, I mean, look, we got Wheeler. He's an ace for us. Aaron Knowles pitching solid. But we got Ranger Suarez, dude. It's a dude is incredible. He just pitches like he's so like nonchalant. Like, here, I'm gonna throw a slider in here. Okay, he'll throw 50 to 70 pitches, get you through five innings, and then watch out. The bullpen's coming in, you know. But couldn't have timed up the victory any better because it gives us a couple days off. Wheeler's able to go game one. We're able to start off fresh. Wheeler game one, Nola game two. We'll throw Ranger out game three. And then we'll see where we're at in game four, and that's all. But, yeah, Philly's in five. Lineup's too stacked up against the Arizona Dimebacks. I'm going to tell you true. I don't even know anybody on the Arizona Dimebacks. I think they got Evan Longoria, I saw. They do. I said this. like seventh, too. He's, like, at the bottom of their lineup. I said last time I heard about this guy was in the Tampa Bay Rays versus Philadelphia World Series back in 08. I go, I thought he should have <laughs> retired years ago. Retired years ago. But, yeah, I think Philly's in five. Lineup's too hot. Vibes are too hot. It's, it's going to be incredible. I mean, City's going to be on fire in the next two weeks. So That's what we like to see. Game yeah. one to, game one's tomorrow, everybody. Game one tomorrow, Monday night. Game one tomorrow. Game one tomorrow. ALCS right now. Texas versus Houston, you said. Um, I you love got, to see so, Texas. You got, so you're rooting for Texas? Do you oh, think Texas, Texas wins? Do you think Texas yeah, wins? Or... We'll go in on Yeah, we're going to double down. Texas Texas, Texas and six? Texas, Texas and seven. We'll give Texas Rangers in seven. We're going to do Phils in five. They're going to be well-rested. We're going to be ready to rock. I got, I got the Phils in five. I got Houston in seven. All right. Yeah. I mean, whatever. A little rematch, but it's not going to be the same result as it was last year, though. He, a, he's already giving everyone a first-hand impression of what uh, Philadelphia is right now. Basically saying, just hand them the ship. It's over. It's done. <laughs> The storybook is written already, ladies and gentlemen. Just oh end it now. Phillies are here. I will say, we, I was talking to a lot of my buddies of mine and said, it's weird right now because we're not used to this as Philadelphia. Like, to actually have a team that's, like, kind of the favorite in a lot of their series. No, you guys like, are – the rest of the way, you guys are the front runner now. Like, even that – I hate to say it. Like, here in Philadelphia, like, we – we when we went up against the Braves, we were like – Oh, we're gonna win this. Like it's, it wasn't like, oh, the Braves are like a hundred game win team. Like, oh, like we got no shot, or like, oh, I mean, we got a little bit of a shot. But no, 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 no. We all as Philadelphia go. There's no shot. The Braves are winning this. Yeah. There's no shot. It's sports talk, talking with buddies, talking with family. It was like, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a matter of how many games and when the Phillies are gonna wrap this up. Like that's essentially what we kept saying. Like. We were like it. the Braves, the Braves are too much in their head. We get we're in Strider's head too much already as it is. The guy can't have no fans in the stadium. Like, get the hell out of here, dude. Like, that's ridiculous. I I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what we thought. I mean, it's just it's just wild because we've never had this feeling really before in Philadelphia where like literally we're gonna be the favorites. And we've kind of almost been the favorites in every series we played. Right. At least that's how we feel. So that's fair. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, so, you heard it here first. The Philadelphia Phillies will be the World Series champions. Yeah, Phillies 2023 World <laughs> Series championship. Uh, the parade will be, I don't know, probably. Halloween. Uh, Give everybody on Halloween. Book it. Holy shit. Actually, it might be. I mean, it might actually roughly. Nah, nah, it's, nah it can't be. Because no. they got to get through this week. No, I don't think that. And then they, they have already have a set date for when the World Series starts, so. Yeah, maybe a clean – if we get a clean sweep in a World Series, then, yeah, it would be, be Halloween, but I don't think that's happening. So. Uh, probably not. Yeah. So, you know. But, yeah, that's where we are. So. Stuff. so, that's where we're at. But Oh, man. All right. 
it was good stuff today. We actually did back to back podcasts. That's impressive stuff for us, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back uh, next week sometime. We'll figure it out a day. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we don't know yet when, but we'll be back. Recap a couple football games. Recap the uh, CS series as well. And uh, Blaine will give us some hockey talk, and that'll be hockey talk. And that's just what it is. So. Yeah. Love me some <laughs> hockey talk. Hey, Connor Bedard, real deal. A kid from the Blackhawks. The number one overall pick. Man, Man's got a some nice flow, and he's got some pretty good puck. Pretty good guy with the stick and a puck. And that's hockey talk, ladies and gentlemen. All right. <laughs> As always, ladies and gentlemen, I will talk to you all later and see you soon.